Hi friends, welcome. Today I want to share with you a conversation that I just finished up with a guy named Andrew Norton. He is, according to his Instagram profile, a filmmaker, radio producer, husband, tall guy, tall baseball sock enthusiast. Here's a video I made about cats in Greece, with a link to a video he made about cats in Greece. He has an interesting style of filmmaking that I would describe as curious. We spoke about storytelling and the way he looks at it. We spoke about some of his films in specific, and we also spoke about how his background in photography and in radio and in the realm of audio influenced his style. It was a lovely conversation. He had lovely thoughts to share. I know I say that about all my guests, but that's just because I pick freaking great guests. Uh, I will link below to his things. Please check him out. Enjoy. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time, man. How are you today? Good, man. Good, Good. to be here. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for well, being Well, I'm actually just here. in my house, so it's not like I'm here, but like good to be with you and chatting. Yeah. The power of the internet. <laughs> You're on the East Coast, right? Uh, that's right. Even though like in, in Canada, I don't want to say I'm in the East Coast because there's much further East Coast here. But yeah, like kind of like above New York, which mm. you'd call East Coast. You're USA. The... That's a bad answer. Why don't I just start? Yes, I'm on the East Coast. I'll say that. Yeah. You're in the great tundra. <laughs> Uh, not quite that either, but I'm, I'm, I'm in the, all of Canada lives, most of Canada lives in a thin band right above America. And I, I mm-hmm. fall within that. I'm about an hour drive from, from the U S at all times. So mm-hmm. if you live in America, it's hard to look at Canada as not a tundra, just mm. openness. And, and, and then there's like a city on the left and on the right and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've driven through my wife and I've driven through Canada and we've driven through the States. Um, my wife is American, so we do that uh, a lot. And uh, there's just a, like a lot more to do when you drive through the States. Like, yeah, it's a lot more like the, the, the room from city to city is a lot greater in, uh, in Canada. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wanted to talk with you today because I'm very interested in your style of filmmaking. Uh, my background before I got into photography was getting into filmmaking, and I've carried that through all the way until now, and I use all of those things that I've learned up until now and onward forever, including interviews. Um, I love your your unique, curious style of filmmaking, and I want to break down you know, how that came to be for you. Uh, I feel like it sets you apart from other people in an interesting way. But I'm curious, how did you get into filmmaking in the first place? Uh, It's maybe a bit of a complicated story, but I got into, originally got into photography, uh, which was you get into photography, like how maybe a lot of people get into photography, like my dad had a camera and I was kind of messing around with that. Um, And all through high school, I was a skateboarder. Um, Like I I started and and that was kind of my life. And I was, I was filming skateboarding. I was like the dude with the video camera, like the VX 1000 and I was filming skateboarding and hence all your skateboard content. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, and, uh, and then I started, I was like, I was doing a bit of photography and I'm like, skateboard photography looks really tough. It was like a sacred thing to me where I'm like, I don't even want to try getting into this because I'd see all these stuff in magazines and there'd be flashes and I know you needed a fisheye and the equipment was so expensive. Um, but eventually I just started shooting that. I started getting into it. And this was like, there was a website called skateboardphotography.com and it had like, this was before Facebook, all this stuff. And so I was like looking up like what flashes to get. And I was like saving up my money and going on eBay and stuff like that and getting these flashes. So, um, you know, fast forward, I started working at a skateboard magazine and I was shooting photos. I was the staff photographer and working as an editor there. It's a thing called uh, SBC, which is like snowboard Canada, skateboard Canada. There's a bunch of, um, 
it's kind of the Canadian uh, snow skateboard magazine. There's like there was like a wakeboard one, there was a skateboard one, there was a snowboard one, stuff like that. So I was working at the uh, the skate one, and I was getting to travel and getting to shoot photos and and do all that stuff. And um, while I was working at the magazine. I started getting into listening to podcasts more, um, started like thinking about interviews, you know, stuff like this American life back when it was like, this was, I'm pretty sure, uh, you had to like plug in your iPod and like manually download them kind of thing, okay. uh, stuff like this American life and radio lab and later 99% visible. And I was like, my head was like, I got interested into doing interviews and things like that. And so I would start doing whenever I could at the, at the magazine, do interviews with people, print interviews. And I'd be mm-hmm. like, I try and I try and borrow the stuff I heard from podcasts to do that. Meanwhile, I got my uh, photo equipment stolen. Uh, I was at a skate spot and I unloaded, um, you know, I unloaded my bag onto the curb and we were looking at, it's like someone's front yard with like a little ramp that you could skate in. We're just mm-hmm. checking it out. And I turn around and my bag was gone. Someone just drove up and took it. Uh, but it was all insured, yada, yada. I, I ended up getting a new camera and it was like whatever the Nikon like D3S or something, like some sort of new thing. It's like it does 720 video for three minutes at a time or something. Some really terrible by today's <laughs> standards video. Um, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start messing around with these videos. And I got a wireless mic and I did not know how to use that. So I would try and like as best I could kind of mimic the feel of podcasts. And I didn't know enough video wise to do any sort of like movement or anything. I would just lock off my camera onto my stills tripod Mm. and kind of use some of the principles. I didn't even know like what, um, shutter angle was back then, for instance. Right. I'd just be like, okay, like let's put, you know, let's make it a fast shutter speed or whatever, whatever looked good. Um, and so I was like, I kind of felt my way through that. And my first videos had horrible audio and I was just learning all these like weird technical things around the camera. And so that basically the so much more to of, keep like, up with in, in filmmaking than photography, right? Exactly. Yeah. So much more stuff to juggle. And with photography, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you got the one shot, you can kind of see it on the back of the screen. I mean, I, when I worked at the magazine, I used to have like a Hasselblad and, and, you know, medium format camera and stuff like that. So that, I mean, I'm not that old, but because digital cameras were around then too, but I was, I was shooting a lot of that. But anyway, so basically it's like the confluence of photography and, and podcasts, like the interest in that stuff is sort of what like came together and, um, turned into an interest in, in video for me. Um, and I didn't even know like what a director was or like what a producer was. I'm just like, I I got a camera. I'm going to figure this stuff out. So I, I definitely see that in your style. That's really interesting that you say that there's such a, a correlation between interviewing and um, shooting and exploring the idea of video, but also approaching it in a bit of a non-orthodox, an unorthodox way because you came into it from photography and you're not used to incorporating motion so much other than like dragging the shutter, right? Uh, I think that that really plays into what I see from you now. What, What drew you into interviewing? What was so intriguing about that to you? I think it was, you actually have more leeway than in photography in some ways. Cause if what you're trying to do is make, and this is kind of highfalutin, so I, I don't mean to sound that fancy, but like what you're kind of trying to do is you're trying to make a portrait of someone. You're trying to like, mm-hmm. be like, Hey, this is what this person's like. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can do that by trying to take a still photo and setting stuff up, or maybe you follow them documentary style, or maybe you set up a portrait or, or, you know, there's a million different ways you can kind of capture someone in, in photography. But in an interview, I'm like, oh, this seems like a fun way to do the same thing. And you can interview someone for like an hour 
and pull out 10 seconds and piece it together, mm-hmm. right? And you can do that in print or you can do that in audio or in, or in a kind of a video portrait or something like that. And sometimes like it's that. 10 seconds of gold. Exactly, right? They and say something like, really profound, you know? Exactly. And it's like, here I am sweating to try and get like this one great frame and it has to be in focus. It's like, it's the same sort of idea. It's the same sort of goal you're trying to get at. It's trying to like show who this person is in an interesting way, maybe a way you've never seen before that conveys who they are. Um, but it's just two different ways of doing it, if that makes sense. And and that like really intrigued me of like finding these little kind of cool moments and getting, it, it seemed almost like easier to get charm in there and to get like more detail about the person in some ways than in photography and photography you gotta choose one frame and it's, it's really tough to do all that in one in one go i guess mm-hmm. did you feel like there was a an extra level of storytelling that could be accomplished through you now incorporating video because i feel like sometimes i i feel like i can run into walls taking photos in terms of having a compelling story and one thing I love about video is you are forced to craft a narrative. You have to make it work or else the video just isn't interesting at all, whereas it's very easy to take a pretty photo and get away with it. Uh, with interviewing, did you feel a richness come about of storytelling that that could occur? I mean, it's funny because when we talk about with video, and I still feel like my style with video is like dressing up audio more or less <laughs> right it's kind of just like that's yeah, a, that's a good of, way to no i like that that's it's like a really you interesting made a podcast it. and then you did the minimal amount of video to make it interesting but i think like what <laughs> you're it, selling the, yourself short on yeah it yeah there, exactly but, right yeah. which is a very uncharitable read on what i do i suppose but like i mean i still kind of feel that like i mean the thing with that though is it it brings you into a new it, it opens up a new possibility of how people can see it, I guess. I mean, when I was working in the magazine, it makes sense to shoot photos because I had an outlet. Like if I had a really cool skate photo, it could go on the cover and it could be seen by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But there's also something rewarding with, um, you know, making a video and a video is like you consume it in a different way. Um, For me, like, and maybe this was around skating and around whatever, whenever kind of like short form web content came out, like young, early YouTube, like even before YouTube, like, you know, my main way of, I think a lot of people are very romantic about watching films and like, that's the ultimate way to tell a story for me. Maybe it's like, I'm just more about like wanting to be distracted on YouTube for a few minutes or on (laughs) Facebook for a few minutes. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. if I can do that, like that is a way that I find that, um, it's, it's so fun to find a gem like that. And if you do a video and even compared to audio, like you could, let's say I made my same video with just audio. I think it could work in some ways, but it's just a random piece of audio. Whereas a video, it can get shared. It's, you have, you, you have something for your eyes to do. You watch it on Facebook. It's like, oh, I get this. It's, it's just a different outlet. This is a very long winded answer to your, to your very, very smart question, but hopefully somewhere in there, there's, a I'm all about long winded but... answers. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> am I getting towards, am I answering uh, it or satiating uh, something new? Maybe? No, I, th- I think it's, I mean, I think it's <laughs> meandering, but I think it's a beautiful meandering. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's interesting, the, this idea that it's a podcast with a bunch of video uh, dressing around it. What's interesting is that your vi- your films have two elements going on simultaneously that I find so intriguing. One being they're very digestible. There is a sort of ease of consumption about it, but also they're very deep. They have a lot of depth to them. And how do you feel like you've, cultivated that sort of that sort of dynamic where they're both flowing 
at the same time where you don't because it's easy to have one or the other it's a little bit harder to marry those things yeah i feel like for me it all comes from i did this um this I, I went to this radio, I call it like radio camp, but it's called the Transom Story Workshop. And it's a two month, um, yeah, like radio camp. That's, like it's where you learn to make name. radio. Yeah, right? Like an <laughs> indie folk band name. And so um, you go out and it's in Cape Cod and you go there for two months. And this is when I was like, I sold my Hasselblad to go to this place. Like uh-huh. I, I'm like, this is where you go and like people from This American Life come and teach and stuff like that. There's all sorts of like great radio people coming and showing you stuff. And you just go there for two months and eat, sleep, and breathe radio, and you learn how to make really cool audio stories. Mm. And I feel like what I'm bringing is just what makes an interesting audio story. Like, I sometimes I'm like, if I were to, like, podcasts are way ahead of the videos that I do. Like, I'm just stealing some of their little tricks. You know Mm. what I mean? I'm like, like, one of my videos would never really stand alone. Like, I couldn't pitch that to a great podcast and have it stand alone as an audio piece. But by dressing it up with some video and kind of stealing some of the tricks from um, radio, like I did this this piece um, from uh, the Galapagos Island, right, where I, I phoned my wife and kind of it was like a dispatch of like, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to put together this footage. So I phoned up my wife. I recorded the call of me being like, hey, this is the stuff I saw. This is the stuff I did. And I kind of recorded her reaction. I'm like, this is a subpar radio story. Like no one would take this story. Like it's not really that great. But if you can kind of. T- with with the radio story, all you have is the audio and you need to take their attention for granted and you need to go, okay, what am I telling them that's new and how am I making this kind of interesting? What am I bringing to the table? And if you can make something that kind of stands alone as audio only, when you add video to it, it's definitely going to work, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like um, if, if you have something that's interesting just to the ear, when you add images to it, like you're, you're, you're doing yourself a big favor. That is a fascinating point. Wow. So, and, and I feel like it's, it's like, it's like when you're like, um, Oh God, I'm going to give you a baseball analogy, but you know, batters when the on deck circle, they'll, they'll hold two bats or they'll put a weight on their bat. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when they, when they get into the batter's box or swinging and it's a lot lighter and they'll swing the ideas, they'll swing faster. Right. Mm-hmm. If you work in just audio and then you go into the realm of video, you're like, oh, this is great. There's so many different l- levers I can more, more use tools, to, yeah. to yeah, to trigger someone's brain, right? Like here I was, I made something that just worked okay in audio and you bring it to video and, and the only thing you can do is elevate it if it works by itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to talk about a couple of your specific films and how they came to be and uh, go, go all sorts of fun different directions with that. There's one that you make called How to Age Gracefully where you uh, took... A bunch of people starting from age. What was the youngest age? I forget. Four, maybe. I don't know if we actually got her to talk, but the first one crawling on the chair is maybe (laughs) four or five or something like that. That's so good. So four all the way up to age, I think it was 92 or maybe even 100. I think it was about 92. And they're all giving each other advice. So one would say something, the person in front of them would say something to the person behind them, give them advice on on life. Uh, As they got older, I thought they got more hilarious. But... Uh, it had this curious music behind it, which is characteristic of all of your work. And I want to talk more about that in a second. But how did that one come to be in the first place? Well, that one, I mean, you talk about examples of just dressing up podcast or radio. I mean, that's perfect because that is from a show called Wiretap, a, a CBC show. Uh, this guy, Jonathan Goldstein, now uh, has a show on a, on a station or on a network called Gimlet. It's called um, Heavyweight. Uh, and so it's a, it's like a really popular podcast. But before that, he worked on, on CBC doing, doing the show called Wiretap. And it was one of the first radio shows that was like very, it was very weird. And I remember listening to it and being like, oh, radio can be like this. Radio can be interesting like this. 
Um, so him and his producers, uh, Crystal and Mira, they wanted to do a video. Um, and I'd been, I, th- then they came to me and said, Hey, let's make a video for wiretap. We got a little bit of money. Right. And they had a story called how to age gracefully. And it was literally like they wrote it out. They had, they hired people or not hired. I guess maybe they got some friends or tapped friends or family to read some of these lines. And it was more or less like the same beats as the video. Like it, I was just ad- ad- adapting it or adopting it, adapting it, I suppose, from um, the audio realm and making it into a interesting video. And it's funny because like it got such a great reception. And I'm like, this isn't even like the best wiretap <laughs> piece. And it just goes to show where it's like that was aired nationally on CBC. That was in a podcast feed for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take off like it did. In, in the video, right? Like, so mm-hmm. if you take something off, if you take something out of that and you dress it up a little bit, it can, it can have legs. And again, maybe I'm not doing it a disservice, but you know, Mira Bertwintonic and Crystal Duhame kind of did all the writing on that. That was their idea. And we had all these people come in and we, we kind of gave them each a line to read uh, that, that we kind of manufactured. And then we also asked them for a couple of things. So it's a, it's a combination of some of the things that people said were things that, that we asked them. We did a little mini interview and some of them were just, were just scripted bits as well. Um, mm-hmm. and so that one, I kind of knew like, Oh, I, I know this works really well because this has already been a, a radio story. So there was kind of like a proof of concept there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, well, and I think what, one of the things that made it do so well from my perspective is like I said, the digestibility of it, it's, it's so pleasing to the ears and the eyes and it flows so well. Uh, I think the bright, there's a lot of bright, vibrant colors flying around this sort of thing too. And it's, it's very easy to sit down and just eat. It's kind of like a donut. You just can, (laughs) it's it's so easy to enjoy. Uh, and it's also, it has depth to it, but it's not so much that, a non-intellectual type of human would get very bored. Like I'm the kind of person I can sit and listen to a, a neuroscientist or you know a space physicist. Is that a thing? I can sit and listen to this this person talk for hours about space. It's fascinating to me. But for a lot of people, they prefer to for, for it to be a little bit more easily digestible. And I think that that's where films like those come in it has a very special place and i hope that doesn't sound like i'm cheapening it because i don't mean to i think it's a i think it's actually really no, fantastic no, it's, 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 it's nice of you saying i think also like one thing that i learned at transom at this radio school was like we did an exercise where we were working on our first story and everyone wrote down the first lines first couple lines of their story we put it in a hat and you put your head down and then someone would read it out and as soon as you lose your attention you put your hand up mm. and that taught me a lot where it's just like yeah you need to like you need to make sure that every beat people can follow along with. And maybe that's, I, I feel like maybe that's what you're speaking to, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, you don't, you don't lose people, I guess, right? You're, you're, you're smart about not making it flabby or too, too out there or something. I don't know. And mm-hmm. I, I think with that one too, you can like, and it's like the podcast that I'm working on now, like you can get away with a lot of stuff if you make it, some of it funny and relatable. Like you mm-hmm. can kind of, people will, people will go along with you if you, um, you, you can't go too far, but you can get people on board through humor or through like charm or, or through things like that. And then you can inch them a little bit closer to somewhere else, I guess. Right. Yeah. Well, and I also, one of my primary goals for anything I create is to actually create change in the way somebody thinks about something to actually uh, create a tangible mind shift for them. And that can be kind of difficult to do. I think that having something that's so easy to take in is a really good way to do that for a lot of people very effectively. Um, Another thing that I think made it feel digestible is something that runs throughout all of your work, 
uh, which is this sort of curious music that I that I feel bouncing around in the background. And you hear things similar to this, but I think yours has a, a special spice to it that I really enjoy. Um, I'm curious, what, what do you think informed that for you? How do you do you think it's unique, and how do you think it became unique? I mean, my answer to all these questions is going to be podcasts or radio, <laughs> right? Like, I mean. I go to like this, the library of, of that stuff. Cause for me, it's funny because I feel like in some ways it's, uh, it's an advantage for me coming from the radio podcast world. Cause to me, I'm just like, Oh, I chose some music that's in this American life or like that. Cause the music from, from the how to age gracefully is like, that's a track that they used a lot in wiretap. Uh, you know, so I'm like, I'm kind of just stealing this aesthetic, but a lot of people don't recognize it already or something like that. But to me, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's just, it's a song that I've heard before. And so it's, it's kind of like you're scoring it like you would in an audio piece. And I feel like, um, I guess, I guess video editors and stuff do this too, but like you almost want to, you know, sometimes in radio or in, in, in reporting or whatever, you, you kind of lay out your story, then you put the music in. Whereas like, I almost like to pick the, the song and then when you get the bits of tape, you can kind of go, oh, yeah, that's where that'll go. Or like, oh, this will be really interesting. Someone will say that. And then the music will come. Like, you don't want to get too handcuffed to it or, or get too carried away or whatever. But like before I edit, I always want to pick out the the music. And that dictates like how it's going to go, which maybe I, I've heard some camps say that that's not the way to do it. But for me, it's like if you can have music that drives it and then you're again you're just dressing up the music and then on top of that you're dressing it up with with video i guess right mm-hmm. that's like a layer cake <laughs> right right <laughs> i suppose yeah i mean it's just funny because i feel like um the, you know i look at uh, as as i'm sure a lot of people do you browse vimeo you see the staff pics or whatever or you see what your friends are working on and there's certain things where i'm like whoa this is visually stunning stuff um and and i feel like uh, when I try and compare myself that way, I'm like, nah, there's no way I can, I can bring this. Like I, I try my best and I like, I try and, you know, keep up on what cameras are interesting and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, oh, what I can bring is, is this story, is this audio stuff. So it's like in a way, um, and, and, you know, sometimes you see stuff where it's like, you see certain things like on Vimeo or whatever. And it's like, well, this is really beautiful, but it's basically like an extended kind of reel or something, or like a demo mm-hmm. of, of your drone or, I went or something to Iceland. like that. Right. Yeah, yeah, enjoy exactly. my Iceland trip. Exactly. Which like, I like, I like watching as someone who makes, who makes video or whatever, because it's like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. Did they use the a seven S two? Did they do, you know, you're looking at it for kind of nerdy reasons, but you can only keep someone's attention for, for so long doing that, I guess. But right? to, to your point, it has a limited reach because you as the filmmaker have a certain level of interest in it. People who are not filmmakers, who are creative types, they're going to have a certain level of interest in it. But it doesn't have uh, it doesn't have a really deep, thoughtful storytelling component that I think would make people feel an addiction to it. Or certain people feel an addiction to it. I think you can you're able to reach a different subset of people through that. Well, I, I do have to stop you and say deep and thoughtful. Like I wouldn't def I wouldn't like it's very kind of you, but I d- wouldn't necessarily say my my things I make fall under under that. Maybe, like. <laughs> Maybe if you're if you're generous, but at the very least, like maybe just trying something newish or something or mm-hmm. something slightly unexpected or candid, I guess maybe. Well, maybe maybe this will help you out. Uh, you bring on people who have deep and thoughtful right, ideas right, right. to share. 
Right. And you make the you make their deep and thoughtful ideas very easily consumable. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean the trick it is you just talk to to interesting people and put some marimba music or whatever underneath them and then like go and go with the razor tool and, and space out their words so it sounds very like it brings some gravitas right. or something right. or like take the last word of their sentence and just give it a couple beats and like oh yeah and it lands with the music. Right. That's that's how like if you can do that, you can make one of my videos for well, that's sure. Why, I think that's why storytelling has to be forever elevated because really all of filmmaking is just that it's just a bunch of little tricks that you can do where you take you know you can like you said you cut a piece of their phrasing and and take it and put it over here you have a little pause there and then that means that something dramatic is about to happen in right. their life right uh all or of, drop out the music and all of a sudden it's like yeah. whoa well, this well, is important oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah it's like you know and it'll it'll be like the, a video about silence and then you make it silent for 10 seconds right then, right oh my gosh I see what they did profound it's like that <laughs> there's a composer who ma made a he made a, a he did a thing where it was like the entire album was silent or okay it was it was a performance but they were silent and it's supposed to be profound and moving right and so right. it's like that's why i think art is intention first right, okay. right? You can take anything and turn into me spinning my phone around. I can make yeah. this into art if I want to. It's all about my right. intention. Um, so anyway, uh, one of the tricks that you use is, like I said, uh, this curious music. It actually makes it actually makes the the mood of the film curious, right? It's like we're sitting here going, "Hmm, what do I think about this?" <laughs> you know. It gives you permission, I guess, right? It kind of sets the tone of, of, yeah, that's interesting. Right, and it doesn't, it allows it, among other elements, it allows it to not feel too heavy-handed, which is something that can very easily happen uh, in right. a lot of different, especially when it, if you get into something political, it's very easy. I mean, I don't think all the curious music in the world can really make some sort of political video uh, feel. Well, I guess it balances it, right? Even though Vox it does, tries. Maybe. What? Right. Like if you take something like like on How to Age Gracefully, like if you have music that's a little disarming, you can put things that are a little bit sad. Like if you had sad music with sad people saying sad stuff, it's going to like be double sad. Right. It's like mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. it's like cooking something. Right. You balance out the flavors a little bit. If you start mm -hmm. with something kind of, um, you know, sweet, you don't want to add sweet to it. Right. 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 Well, that's why I think comedy is, for example, is such a fantastic uh, medium to share things that are sad and terrible in the world and make it get into your brain a little bit deeper without offending you so easily. Right, you let your gate down a little bit quicker maybe. Right. Or you're like, oh, what's this all about? I'm going to take a few more steps that direction or whatever, right? Humor is sort of meant, in our culture, it feels like it's kind of dumb and stupid, but it's so profound. There's so much mm. depth there. Uh, so how did you gather all the people? Because there were a lot of people in this. For how to age gracefully? Yes. Yeah, we did. It was basically like a casting call of friends and family, more or less. Like mm -hmm. I think some of the older people are like some of the coworkers from CBC's grandparents. Uh, and then we had, you know, just like an Excel doc of everyone that we could reach out to. And Wiretap had a, had a Facebook page that we reached out to and things like that. So it was like it was all non-actors. I think there was a couple people who were like maybe happened to be actors or something like that. You know, I think one of the little girls was like in her, the, the one, oh, what was it? 
uh, she said something about communism or something like that, uh, <laughs> fascism or something. Anyways, she, I think she was an actor, but it's, it's not like we, we got them for that. And cause it's all like, it was all like freebie type stuff where it's like, Hey, come in, we'll do a little interview. We'll give you a line to say, and, and that'll be that. So it was like, yeah, scheduling all those people. And yeah, it was mainly just like friends of friends. And I think Mira and Crystal were really good about knowing, um, you know, who worked and who didn't. And I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you need one line from someone. And if you come down and interview them for 20 minutes, I'm sure I can get one line out of, you know, out of someone. So Mm -hmm. my favorite one was one of the older men. He said, indulge your sweet tooth because you're going to need dentures anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, right. uh, terrible advice, but that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. There's, uh, it's interesting go cause I think, you know, and that one took off. I mean, that was like 28 million views or something, which is like unbelievable, but it's like, has this interesting dynamic of, uh, like, you know, unbeknownst to us at the time, but you know, you go back and watch it every couple of years and then you, you associate with the different person, mm. uh, which I find like, it didn't even dawn on me at the time, but I'm like, Oh yeah, now I'm getting like, I get it. I get the hair loss. I get right. the, you know, the kid, whatever. Right. So it's yeah, interesting. no, it's amazing how much your perspective shifts over time. I was, I was watching a video the other day. I actually made a sort of a study video about this. They were talking about the genius of SpongeBob, and they were saying that one of the things that made it so, pow- uh, one of the things that made it so pervasive in our culture was the dichotomy between SpongeBob and Squidward. Because SpongeBob <laughs> is who we are as a kid, okay. Squidward is who we are as an adult. A lot of nice. times, okay, right? okay, I like, buy that. SpongeBob's bright-eyed. He has a wonderful life. He, you know, Squidward has. Yeah, he's had the life beat out of him. He's worked in the cubicle, right? <laughs> right. And everything's dull and life life lifeless. Right. And so there's this battle between them two, uh, uh, both of them at all times. And we have that same battle within us. And if you're a yeah, kid, yeah. you're resonating more with SpongeBob. You're like Squidward. Right, you know, right. Get it together, man. Have some fun <laughs> with your life. Let's go play with bubbles. And then uh, if you're older, you're like, I kind of get where Squidward's coming from. Right, SpongeBob's right. sort of extremely annoying there. Right. And it's I, like I, as you get older, you watch Star Wars, you're like, Darth Vader, man. I mean, he's just trying to run his empire. It's, yeah. you know, I can relate. I just want to have a clean ship, and I just want my guys to do what they, what, they, what I tell them. Just yep. uh, let's, you know, you, he's, you, you change. He's ornery because he's gone through some <laughs> things in life. He's in a suit. He burned his right. body. Come <laughs> right. on. Well, it's funny, too, and like going and revisiting stuff, I remember – hearing about I think YouTube used to do this where it was like they used to have maybe they still do like a weekly rundown of the top videos with like a small explanation and I think they had a blog about why that you know that Friday song yeah yeah. um it it was like it was like oh you see a spot like every Friday I'm like oh that's genius and probably never even thought about that but if you have like a reason to go back to a video all the because everyone's like searching Friday and they'd send it Mm -hmm. to their friends on Facebook or whatever on Friday or something (laughs) like that I'm like oh that's a funny way to like to to make a hit right Mm -hmm. I mean that's obviously not the only reason but it's it's funny to in retrospect you're like oh maybe it was good because because of x right you never thought about it at the time I love I love the the idea that in everything that we ingest no matter how digestible and fun and easy to enjoy it is, there always tends to be some sort of profound reasoning behind why we like it so much, even if we don't realize it, right? If you're watching SpongeBob and you're six, you're not really wondering about the SpongeBob Squidward dichotomy, but it is there and it's making it compelling. I think that's fascinating. I feel like I I have a tough stomach for that kind of stuff. Like I feel like 
I don't know. I think sometimes, and that's, it's, you know, I, sometimes I don't buy that kind of stuff where I'm just like, I like pizza. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I, sometimes I just don't want to go down and 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 think about that stuff too much, I guess. Oh, I don't well, know. the good thing is you don't have to think about that stuff, <laughs> but it's good. probably there. Right. There's right. probably a reason why we enjoy some bread, a whole bunch of gluten, yeah, some yeah. cheese, and pepperonis. <laughs> In, in, a, in a very messy sort of situation that, right. I mean, they probably put some sort of drugs in it and that's probably right, what right. makes it so compelling to us. But yeah, yeah. it's there whether you think about it or not. <laughs> and I think that's so fun because that's sort of the way that you can help, I don't want to say influence, that sounds really intense, mm-hmm. uh, help mm, gently nudge the masses right. towards a better way of thinking that may be helpful to them, Right. Well, it's kind of, I mean, even, even aside from that of like trying to convey a message, I mean, the thing that you do, whether it be a photograph or a podcast or a a video or film or whatever, you want to take your, how something makes you feel and put that through the Play-Doh extruder and give it to someone else and make them feel that same way too, right? That's, Mm -hmm. that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to dissect it. You're trying to be like, what about it does this to me? And I want to try and whether you're doing a documentary on someone or whatever or, or an issue or or a bigger feeling, if you're making a film or something like that, you want to take that thing and and try and show other people what how it makes you feel. You want to try and recreate the feeling in you, in them, if at all possible. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the power of art that I think is so interesting, too, is that it's meant to influence emotions and the thoughtful part of us at the same time. If you listen to somebody tell you something, hey, you know, make in life prioritize being kind to people, right? You hear that and you're like, yeah, okay, thanks. But if someone tells a story about somebody who was kind to somebody who was self-sacrificial and there's an emotional quality to it and you have the music, you have the shots, you have how hard it was for that person to be so self-sacrificial and what it meant to the person on the other end when that person was so he gave his house to him or something. Yeah, yeah. Then you come out of that and go, man, that kindness thing sounds really fun. (laughs) Right. I might do some of that. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, it goes back to people relating to different things at different places in their in their life. It's almost like you need to be like primed for that a little bit, too. Right. It can only they can only take you so far. You need to be in a certain mindset or at a certain age or it needs to resonate with you for whatever reason or like, oh, that just happened to me. Or I'm just thinking about this in my life, too. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think if, if, if you come at the wrong time, it's just going to go over your head. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I want to talk about another film of yours. Let's uh, do it. Called Where Do Ideas Come From? And this one was very interesting to me because it's similar in a lot of ways to the previous one where you have people, all sorts of different people with different voices as people tend to, you know, do. They tend to have different voices. Uh, and if they two people have the same voice, you should be concerned, obviously. <laughs> uh, you have a bunch of different people talking about their way of finding the spark or whatever you want to call it of getting an idea. And once again, you have this very curious music, but there's all sorts of interesting imagery, too, in there. Was there a watermelon? Um, No water. There was definitely a brain. There was a pineapple. There was a pineapple, okay. Yeah, yeah. There was a brain. He, like, did something with the hemispheres. All all sorts of interesting, like, it felt like like just the best stock footage ever, from my perspective. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm aiming for. (laughs) Good. Uh, How did did this one, well, first off, what was the vision for this one? Why was it made? 
I feel like it's one of those things where, um, and I'm sure you've had projects like this, where it just starts with like, it would be cool to, you know, maybe you have a conversation with someone and it gets you curious. And then you go, oh, maybe I can talk to this person about it. And then as a few more things start piling up, you're like, oh, I think I think something's here, right? Like it's some of the best ideas someone was saying, like, you know, we, we interviewed someone, these, these ladies called the Kitchen Sisters who do radio. And they're like, the best ideas are the ones as soon as you, you get it, other things start popping up, right? Mm. Um, so, and, and I think combine that with the thing of just like finding what, this is like an Ira Glass, this American Life, but like find the thing that amuses you and just like start chasing it. And, and if, if it excites you, you don't necessarily know the reason for it, but but go down that rabbit hole. It's like a tree that, that branches all sorts of different directions. Right, right, exactly. It starts with and, one seed. And then I think there's like, you know, I, I wish it was a high-minded kind of thing, but I, I think that it starts getting down to brass tacks where you're like, okay, I'm trying to make this kind of off the side of my desk as a passion project. The beauty of what I love about podcasts is that you can interview someone and you don't need the video you can get high quality audio. It's really easy to get. You can hire someone to go to Los Angeles or Toronto or wherever they are and hold a microphone near them mm-hmm. and then send you the WAV file and you put it together and it sounds like you're in the same room. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, I think I can do something with that where I can get some really interesting interviews. And then you're like, okay, and the next challenge is it's it's not video. You know, I want to put it in this Trojan horse of video so that I can get people watching it on Facebook or on mm-hmm. Vimeo or whatever. Um, but it's like, okay, now how do I dress this thing up? And that's really one where you're like, okay, you have to do it in a way that's not just a montage of stock footage. You have to do like some translation of it. Um, you know, there's some videos that I that I have as as reference. There's a few really cool ones. Radiolab did one that was that was kind of similar, where it was like a literal interpretation of like every word almost that it had. Mm. So it, like it, it was just an interesting challenge too, as someone where you're like, you kind of are like. I think I can do this. And then you go down that road a little bit. You're like, it's kind of happening. Like I can envision 40% of it. And you're like, okay, I'm at like 60 now. And like, it's a grind, but I think I can get to the rest of it. And then you're kind of like, oh yeah, I think this can, I think this can work. So, so anyways, I pitched it to, uh, I actually transom, which is the place where I went to learn radio. They gave me some money for it. It was like, not much, like a few thousand bucks, but I'm like, oh, I can buy a bouncy ball. I can, you know, license, um, some, I, the, the tape from, um, uh, David Lynch, I, I had to license from BBC or something like that. It was from an interview I found. And so you just spend it on odds and ends, buy a bunch of props and some seamlesses for my extra bedroom and, and shoot it all in there. So I think it's also like a control freaky kind of thing. Like I I really like like locked off stuff where I'm like, okay, camera stay there. Okay, now the thing goes through it and <laughs> let's do it again. And let's, okay, I'm going to move it a little bit. Like it's it's kind of like my own neurotic uh, brain, uh, you know, c- coming forward. So yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was kind of like a fun, fun project to do. And I'm like, I, I find this interesting. I find this fun. So hopefully some of it translates a little bit. So <laughs> what was, what sort of drove the concepts for each, uh, set of B-roll clips that you're using? Because those are ones that take some creativity. You have to think a little bit non-linearly to to put, yeah, a, yeah. you know, obviously when somebody mentions a brain, you can put a brain in there, but, <laughs> but like having a, you know, having some sort of ball bouncing or having yeah, yeah. candy flying everywhere or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it's like you just, some of it really lent itself well. And like you're saying the brain or whatever, but then how do you shoot that in an interesting way in a kind of acute way? Um, and using this as like, you know, you talk about how music might disarm someone or humor. Mm. These visuals make you be like, oh, this is cute. This is going to be a cute thing. It's not going to be like 
some guy talking forever about high-minded concepts, you're like, it's Mm going to be a little silly. Like it offsets the stuff a little bit. So I think it's just a matter of like, I strung that out. Like I did the audio version of that first. And then you listen through and you're like, oh, it's almost like a scavenger hunt a little bit. You're like, this could go like this. I'm like, Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. so, you know, this one he's talking about, um, ideas and like, you know, it, there's, there's a spark or he's talking about how ideas, you know, he doesn't buy the fact that, that ideas come from nowhere or whatever. I'm like, okay, what we could do. And you're almost just, just kind of mapping it out, right? Like you're almost storyboarding Mm -hmm. and then there's going to be some gaps and you're like, I'll leave that for later. Something will come up later. Or maybe that's where I can find, I, I tapped a lot of friends to go, Hey, you did a project that, that I liked my friend, Scott Palmier, who's a, who used to be a skateboard photographer as well. Who's, who's a director. Um, he sent me some stuff or like a, a project I like on Vimeo. Like I worked with him on some baseball. We did a little baseball spec ad and he has some footage. I'm like, can you send me like the dude pitching at the camera? You know, it's going to be a one second clip. So it's like, okay, that could work. And then I got him to send me some other stuff that he shot around the city or, and I paid him a few hundred bucks to go get me like, can you get like a train? Pretend your, your van's a train and you're looking at an empty chair, just random stuff like that. Um, and so it's it slowly He's starts coming like, together. What and then by the, the hell it, are you trying to make? <laughs> <laughs> well, then your timeline starts filling up and you're like, oh, yeah, I can kind of do this. And like the thousand, you know, not a thousand, the few hundred clips I needed is now like 40. And like that seems doable. And there's a couple I have no clue what to do, but I, I can get started on the, on the rest of them and, and you know, maybe maybe poke around to figure out, figure out the rest. And I feel like also like you can um, – your brain will fill in those gaps a little bit too. You don't want to be too matchy matchy with the talking and what's on screen a little bit. So right. I think like you can, I think your brain helps where it rounds up a little bit where it's like, yeah, that one's close enough. And then it looks artsy if it's not on the nose directly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, <laughs> how comfortable yeah. how comfortable are you in the void of serendipity? A lot of people feel like they need to plan something from start to finish before they can make progress yeah. on it. Uh, certain people are much more comfortable that way, whereas I, I think serendipity is incredibly exciting. To you, it seems like this project was full of like, I don't I don't know what we're doing, but we're going to do it. Yeah, it paints me as someone who's much more easygoing than I actually am, whereas like I am the person who like, if I'm cooking, I have all my mise en place out. And like, you know, if I'm doing something, I'm going to have it all ready to go. And like, I'm not good with that. So it's definitely like, um, but it's all like within the realm of like, I think, I don't know what the answer is, but I think I can get there. You know, Mm. there's certain projects where you're like, I have enough momentum with this and I've got enough of it kind of figured out that I think I can fit in the rest. Like, I think I'm 60% and this seems like a problem that I can solve versus like, this gives me tummy pains at night or something like that, right? Um, And I think like, for me, where the serendipity comes in, it's like, um, I'm the type of person where it's like, it's almost like planned fun. Like, you know, I always joke with the guy I make the podcast with Rob where I'm like, I like baseball cause it's like, there's rules and everyone agrees on the rules. And then it's like, okay, go, go, go for it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit like what I like with, with the stuff that I do where I'm like, here are the parameters and you don't want to, you don't want to corral it too much cause that's going to be uninteresting. And if you go into an interview or, or something or a documentary or anything like that, where you kind of know what the answer is, that's, that's not very exciting. Um, but within that you want to leave yourself room. And for me, I'm always like, when I do interviews, that to me is like, 
especially just audio only interviews, it's so economical. If you talk, and you know this, like if you talk to someone for two hours and get two seconds of tape, it's not considered a waste because you don't right. have, you're not rolling tons of gigabytes with two cameras and lighting and you didn't have to fly to the, where the person lives and everything like that. So mm-hmm. I think audio lets you do working in an audio format lets you, um, take chances and go down dead ends and it doesn't matter so much because the costs are so little. Um, and that's where I like try to really take chances. And that's where I feel like comfortable taking chances, Mm -hmm. uh, versus like if I'm on set of a commercial or something like that, like I need to know what's happening at 2 PM and 3 PM. And like, even if what's happening is let's try a bunch of different things. I'm very like regimented with that. So controlled fun is my MO. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the balance between regimenting and serendipity? Like, where do you think that should be? Well, I feel like, I feel like with our, the podcast that I'm working on called personal best, there's like, we do this thing where it's almost like, it's almost like a big mad libs where it's like you put you, you, you're kind of like you wind up the crank and you set some rules where you go, I'm going to put this person in this situation. I'm going to make them do this thing. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's kind of within this, in this realm, within this sandbox. And I've set up a few rules, um, but they're going to run with it. And like, which is why I, I don't work in like scripted stuff or I'd be very intimidated to do that because like, I feel like what people come up with on their own, if they're put on the spot or if you're interviewing them is way better than what I could think of. Whenever I try and write something, it's like when you try and write a song, you're just like, Oh, that's just the Beatles. And then you try and write another one. And you're like, that's, that's a Beatles. That's a different Beatles song. <laughs> Whereas like, it's much more fun when you set up some rules and let people loose in them, I mm. guess. And that's kind of what built you know, like some I said, boxes. That, Exactly. And that's what I did with, you know, with the um, where do ideas come from a little bit where it's like, I'm open to if you want to go to inspiration, if you want to go to this part of ideas, if you want to go to that part, but it's still kind of corralled with within that thing. You're not just waving the microphone and hoping you're getting something. So I think you can like mm-hmm. you can set things up. Um, and it's just like the podcast where it's like, I know this will be an interesting section of it. I don't know why but we're going to put them up against this challenge. I don't know how they're going to react. And then something is going to happen that I'm never going to guess. And it'll be better than I can imagine. And and you have to kind of like resign yourself to that. And if you're working within that, you also have to kind of budget that. Like it's an, it's an economics thing where you're like, okay, I'm going to do 10 interviews Four are going to suck. And if you know Mm -hmm. that from the outset, it makes you less, it makes you, when an interview doesn't go well, it's not, it, uh, uh, it doesn't set you back as much. You're just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that happens. I'm working in a world where you're kind of trying to get lucky. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, the more I can roll the dice, the, the more I'll do myself that favor. Well, I really like what you said there when you're saying that you set up the box and then let them run and then there's magic that will come out of that. I think that it's very nearly impossible to get certain types of that magic without letting that serendipity happen. It's tough because it can feel like wasting time. It can feel like uh, you can be in positions where you feel like nothing is happening. Like a lot of Mm -hmm. my projects, the first 50 to 60% of it, I feel like nothing good is happening at all. (laughs) And then then finally something clicks. And I go, oh, that was special. That was really good. But there's so much frustration up front. I, th- I mean, that's probably the ratio, right? I mean, what you're describing yeah. doesn't sound that that off, right? Right, right. And I feel like for some types of creators, it's probably way more the other way. It's way, it's way more, uh, it's like it's like 
90-10 where everything goes really horrible for a, a long time and like it goes really horrible and then the last 10% is pure gold. But it's almost right. like if it's horrible, it's going to contrast <laughs> with the goodness at the end at a greater right. level. <laughs> you got to go through the pain, right? The more the pain, the better. It's like, <laughs> I don't know, climbing Everest, right? If right. you are climbing Everest and some sort of horrible event happens, an avalanche and you have to save 30 people, that's that 90% is the worst set of moments in your it's the worst sequence of events in your life right, right? but the 10% at the end where you document that and turn that right. into a film that you share with people and everybody's lives are changed right, right. Uh, is kind of worth the 90% in a way maybe <laughs> oh. That's an what you're saying thought. is a human life is worth a good video. And that's and, what I took from what you just said. And I think everyone can agree with that. Maybe three, maybe three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we were doing an episode recently where we're like, um, you know what? This is going to end with a limousine ride. We're going to get our guest a limo and we're going to be drinking champagne. And we're like, just uh, our producer, like, how much is a limo? Get it booked. 400 bucks. Okay, great. And then we ended up not doing the limo. And then everything else we wanted to do in the episode was cheap. Right. Mm. We're like, we already canceled the limo. What's, you know, what's a few other things to get. Right. Where it's like, it's just this weird comparison or something like that. That's mm. only makes sense in your brain. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk about a, another one. I feel like there are definitely areas we could go with that. That last one. Uh, the <laughs> Oh, the street, the street corner stuff with the signs and that sort of thing. That was an interesting direction to go. And I think that one thing that was neat about it was that it wasn't, like New York City. I mean, it may have been around that. I don't know exactly where he filmed it, but it wasn't, it didn't feel like this place that had some sort of iconic nature to it. It felt like a semi small town ish kind of vibe. And that's hard to make work well, but I think you made it work well. Uh, what was the, what was the, the feeling behind that? Like, what made your brain go, let's get outside? I'm just like, yeah, it's funny. And, you know, we go back to this thing of like, it's it's easy to read afterwards of like, yeah, SpongeBob was a work of genius. And I'm like, I'm kind of <laughs> listening to this. I'm like, oh, that's very nice of you to say. And like, I wish, you know, my location scout came to me with five different options for cities. And I said, you know, it's got to be quaint. And I said, no, we're not doing New York, even though we had the money to do it. But uh, it's like, no, these are these are kind of near my place. And it I guess I'm making Venice. decisions. Right. Venice like, Beach, I guess, Venice. <laughs> I'm just like, my scouting process was like, oh, there's a wall that doesn't have stuff on it yet. Let's go try and do it before <laughs> stuff goes up. You know what I mean? Like, I guess there's something in my brain that like makes me be like, that wall's interesting and that wall's not. But it's like, it was almost just a photographic call too, where it's like, oh, I know that if I wait 10 minutes, a biker will go by or right. something like that. Or someone will walk and it's kind of diagonal in the frame or, or whatever. Like that was the extent of, and it's also just like, it, 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 was, it was a fun mental exercise. It was just like, how much can you, and I think I probably stretched it to the limit of like, how much can you visualize of, of this stuff? Right. And, um, yeah, it, that, that was, that was interesting. That was kind of fun. We, we pasted, uh, not we paste, we actually just used tape cause we're kind of janky, but, uh, you know, we got, we got it all printed off on newsprint and stuff like that. And when did a few, few things around the city, uh, this, this dude, Drew Shannon, uh, who's done a lot of illustrations for me, helped me with that, do like the art direction and stuff like that. And mm. he was there when we shot. He helped with all the props and pick all the colors and stuff, which was really cool. So Yeah. Well, I, I feel like for you, filmmaking it is for a lot of people, but definitely for you, uh, it's a very collaborative process. I feel like a lot of solo filmmakers may try to run away from that, like if you're an introverted type, but you seem to lean into that and find the power in that. How, how does that 
influence how things turn out in the end from your perspective? Yeah, it's tough, right? Because it's like, I think what it comes from is like, you don't have a great, you don't have any budget. You're like, I can just do this myself. I can figure out a way to do this. And then it becomes, you learn, oh, if I work with other people, it's it's easier, right? Mm. And then it's, and then you start to go, do I want to get, because it's so easy to go, I know how to get this shot. I'll just go get it. And, and I know how to figure it out. Or do you learn how to, the language and the other skills you need to work with someone to get you there? Because in the, at the start, it's like learning how to ride a bike. You're just like, I'm just going to walk. This is annoying mm. or whatever. Right. Um, and it's like, I can get there faster if I, if I just walk, but it's like, no, over the long term, it, when you work with someone and you find someone and you work on that language and figure out how to describe it to someone, which is basically directing, right? That will get you further in the long haul. But it's it's very tempting to go, I'll just go shoot this. It's not going to be perfect, um, but I, I kind of know what I'm what I'm looking for here, right? And it's it's tough too because like it's such like a personal match too. It's like it's like any relationship, right? Um, it's like you need to find that person. And just because you've tried to work with someone in the past and it didn't work well, that could just mean that they, they don't, their vision doesn't jive with you or, or whatever mm-hmm. reason, right? So it's 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 not just that you shouldn't work with people. Um, so yeah, it's tricky, but it's also like sometimes rewarding to go, oh yeah, this is a project like with, like with Where Do Ideas Come From, where it's like, oh, this is kind of manageable for me. Mm-hmm. Like this is kind of a fun thing where it's like, there's enough outside my comfort zone and I know the people who I can ask to help me with that. But it seems like something that I can, that, that seems doable with me, uh, with just me. And like, I think that's part of it too, where it's like, if you can keep it in that realm of fun, but pushing yourself enough that it's rewarding, you're not Mm going to give up on it, especially with something that you're kind of doing off the side of your desk. Like I wasn't getting like my career wasn't making that. I think there's a lot of filmmakers who are like, have their eye on the next project or put together something that will look cool on their reel or just something that they find rewarding. Or maybe they shoot something else during the day and, you know, a couple weekends a month, they, they can go off and do their own passion thing. So it's about finding that sweet spot. Um, and, and if you don't have a lot of money, it's tough to work with people too. It's like, I'm going to give you another baseball analogy, but it's like, if you're a baseball team that doesn't have a lot of money, it's like, it's like money ball, right? Like you have to cultivate the talent. You have to find the up and comers who haven't blown up to be uh, too expensive for you yet. Right. Cause if you have a lot of money, it's easy to go, yeah, yeah, I'm doing this passion project. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple million at it. I can get whatever DP I want. I can hire sound people. I can, you know, book locations and stuff like that. It's, it's much, it's much different. Like when you're someone who's just, um, a one person show or whatever, you're kind of coercing people. You're trying to like persuade people. You're trying to find people who you like on Instagram and, and ask them to help you out. So it's like, it's almost like a skill of like, scouting talent before mm-hmm. they blow up where you're like oh this person's really good and i think they're at a spot where they're not too busy where they'll say no to me and i can get them for 200 bucks and some pizza to come and like pick some stuff you know to help me shoot a thing right mm-hmm. so it's like there's this other element to it where you're kind of like a manager or something like that too <laughs> like a talent manager or something too right you're trying to like you're trying to staff up your team without any money so it's mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting that's a similar concept for me when I'm trying to make these conversations. Being a, a small YouTube creator, I want to work with people who are bigger. I like to work with other YouTube creators specifically a lot of times because they're within the ecosystem. I'm trying to get followers from them as well, right? Uh, for one, you have to find people that align, their audience aligns with your audience. And two, it's like, it's the same idea that you're saying where 
okay, this person has, you know, 50,000. They, they probably got some time, right? <laughs> if it's right. like 500,000, you're like, that's going to be a little bit tougher. Could be right, done right. a little bit right. tougher. Uh, but if, if I find somebody who's a little bit bigger than me, but not too much bigger than me, there's a sweet spot there and they might say right. yes. And that might work. They right. might benefit in the end. Another thing that I think that we forget easily is that when you work with another person, when you allow another person to be part of your process, specifically if you have like control issues, it's easy to forget that you're allowing the wet computer in their head to join in with the wet computer in your head. Right, right. right. And out of that, you will go directions that you could never have gone without both of those things collaborating together. And that's truly special. That's good serendipity. That that goes back into that box of like, it's so... It takes a skill to resign yourself to the fact that something good will happen that you don't know is going to happen. And it's the same with like interviewing people. We talk about, you know, setting the sandbox and letting them free. It's like that with working with people too, right? Like some of the best stuff comes from people that, that you trust and you're on the same wavelength or whatever. And they come up with stuff that like you definitely couldn't have. And that's when you start clicking of like, Oh, that's why I work with people because Mm -hmm. they can elevate my stuff or like people that you love how they shoot. And you're just like, like, Oh, I, if I could, you know, I, I I really want to work with that person. You can clearly see how that elevates them. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's perfect. And you come up with stuff that you would never have thought of otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I wanted to talk about one more film with you. Uh, there, well, actually, actually two, but the second will be very quick. Uh, the first one is one that you made. It's called uh, the Photographer Series. Jonathan, how do you say his last name? Uh, Maring. Maring. Oh, it's exactly like it's spelled. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a film about a photographer who takes photos of skaters in unique places. And for example, one of them, they came to my turf here in Utah and That's right, decided yeah. to skate around some uh, down down in look like Moab or something like that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, and that was really fa- that film was fascinating to me for a lot of reasons. One, because I lo- I love any story that involves a photographer and them trying to come up with a compelling photo. But also, I thought it was really interesting that that entire film, and it makes more sense to me now because of the way that you approach filmmaking. That entire film was some interview footage and a collection of photos. Uh, the, the last film was, I don't think you showed a single per the, where, where do ideas come from? You didn't show a single right. face in that. The, no talking heads. Yeah. No talking heads. <laughs> no. Yeah. So in this one, it was an interview with a guy, very simple, right? If you break this all up into its pieces, which is a really good idea. If you're a filmmaker, watch somebody else's film, break them up into pieces. Uh, if you break it all up into pieces, from from what I could tell, it was an interview with a really interesting guy who likes skateboarding and likes photography and a slideshow of photos. <laughs> and you get, you made it come alive in a really interesting way. Uh, why do you, how do you think you were able, <laughs> I feel like you're going to be way too humble to answer this. Uh, <laughs> I knew I was going to nail it. And, <laughs> yes. uh, and I did. So... Next question. I knew from the beginning it was going to be exceptional, <laughs> and uh, it was. So <laughs> here, here we are. <laughs> uh, how, how did it come together? I'll just ask you that question. Okay. Well, I mean, it's funny because it was just like, and maybe this speaks to why it worked, where I'm just like, Jonathan Maring, this guy shoots great photos. I'm on vacation with my wife. 
can I go hang out with you? You know, I sent him a message or whatever. Can I come by your place? It'll take a couple hours. Beautiful. Uh, like, you know, he's like, do you want to go skating later? I'm like, no, I got to go back to my Airbnb. Like, sorry. Right. So I'm like, it shouldn't have been, it shouldn't have worked out. The second mm-hmm. angle was out of focus. Like it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a success from the get go. Right. Like it wasn't, but I think, I don't know. I wonder if it just comes down to um, like, you can listen to a radio story that's exciting and there's no visuals to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can make that in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. And if I can even get my interview with Jonathan and just the audio from that, 60, 50 to 60% of the way to a good radio story and then his photos take it the rest of the way, I mean, I think that helps a lot. Like I remember in photo school, there was like, this was like an aha moment for me. I don't know why, it, I probably should have realized it sooner, but the professor was just like, if you just taking a picture of something cool isn't cheating. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he said it in less fewer words or whatever, but it's just like, oh yeah, if you just find something really interesting, it makes your job a lot easier. Because I was like, for a long time, I was like, no, a photographer's job is to grind it out, to sweat, to take even a picture of a screw. You know, you got to figure out an interesting way to make that cool. You got to elevate everything. You, you put flashes and gels and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, you could do that. Or like, here's a cool thing. Perfect. Take a picture. Like that's <laughs> not any less, you know, it's, 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 it's smart scouting. It's, it, it's trusting your instincts and stuff like that. Right. Like if you're excited by it, you can figure out a way to translate that hopefully. Right. That's a goal. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, but it needs that initial spark. Otherwise, like you can't generate that in reverse. Right. Like mm-hmm. if something excites you, that's your first sign of like, there's something there. You can't always translate that, but at least like, Hey, that's, that's a sign. And you got to listen to that. I guess. I find where my stories go wrong is when I don't start with something really interesting at the beginning, like an interesting story, something that actually exists in the world as right, opposed right. to like what you're saying. Like, let me, like, I, I live in a small town. Okay. My downtown is very, very small. There's not really a lot going on. There's a lot of old people. Uh, but this is where I live. So let me go try to squeeze something out of that. And you can, but also, uh, you might run into some walls if you're not, if you're focusing more on the idea of going out and taking photos than developing a story, then going and taking photos or finding a story, finding something strong, like, uh, this, this, this example where he is, he's, somebody who is driven by curiosity and passion loves to follow around skateboarders wherever they go. Like you, you have to find the inherent beauty in things and then figure out how to convey to people like what you're saying at the beginning, how you feel about that thing. Well, I feel like it's even like, and I've done a few videos like this where it's like an interesting exercise where I'm like, I'm just going to make a video for my wife or something like that Mm. or for myself. Like I just want to amuse myself and if other people like it, great. And it's like, especially when you're kind of doing this stuff on your free time and you're kind of dedicating, you know, this isn't your day job and you're trying to shoot some interesting stuff. Like if you just, what makes you interested and what makes you laugh and what are the stupid things and what are the weird little things? Cause I think sometimes we fall into the trap of going, this looks like a video. This seems like a story. It's, yeah. it's about a, a guy who's down on his luck and through hard work, he, he fit, you know, it's like, okay, there, there's certain molds or like, you're like, this looks like a shot that someone else shot. And like, this kind of approximates something I'd see on a, someone's Vimeo that's, reel or no, something That's like more that. like it. It's less about right. the story and more about the, vi- the visuals for filmmakers, right. especially. It's like, oh my gosh, that, that drone shot was yeah. so everything I just saw Peter McKinnon do. <laughs> 
And so right. it's going in there, and you better believe right. that I'm going to use music that sounds almost exactly like his, because <laughs> that feels really fun. Well, I feel the same self-consciousness about podcast stuff, where I'm just like, I'm I'm doing this stuff that's kind of old hat where I'm from, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's impressing these people, because maybe they, maybe they haven't heard it a million times like I have as mm-hmm. well. And I think some people are like, it's playing to your strengths, right? Like some people are like, oh, I can shoot that in, in a great way. You know, I can shoot, I can use this giant lens and I can get just a perfect moment. But for me, I'm just like, I, I can't do that. So I'm just going to talk to him for a couple hours and I'll probably get something cool out of it. Like I just kind of coming from it from a, a different angle. And I'm just like, oh yeah, that can work sometimes. Like this is right. like, I figured out this this kind of secret thing uh-huh. where I'm, and maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit, but it's just like, anyways, it's, it, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. But I, I feel like, it also has to do with playing to your strength and keeping you amused and excited too. Cause there's nothing wrong with going and shooting something that you like. That's interesting. Like, yeah, maybe it's not going to blow up or something, but if at the end of the day you like it and you had, and this is going to, this is so corny. I'm going to take this back already. But if at the end of the day you liked it and you had fun doing it, if people like it or not is inconsequential. Mm. That's uh, that's, that's the lesson of the day that I don't know if I fully believe, but it came out of my mouth. So, <laughs> okay. Well, now you have to think it about for it now. for, for yeah, this evening that's and right. maybe lose if, sleep if over was, it. If I was interviewing someone and they said that, I'd be like, that's not going in. But thank you. <laughs> Cut. Let's see. Let me uh, timestamp this really quick. Yeah, let me right mark back. this. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny. I think that's one thing to approach. Like, that's one approach that is important. I think that that doesn't necessarily get you to telling a story that's meaningful all the time. But I think that gets you to... That gets you to, for one, uh, playing around passionately and developing your style through playing around with that thing. But also, there is tremendous value to, this is, I think it's two sides of the same coin. There's tremendous value to going after something you find interesting because other people like you, the right people, the people who, as Seth Godin says, get the joke, are going to like it as well. And... A lot of people won't, but some people will. And perhaps those are the people that should matter. Well, yeah. It, yeah, it's interesting because I think sometimes I'm critical of my own work. I'm like, well, I figured out how to make a staff pick video. Mm. Like I kind of know the – like I know – so I'm always trying to push myself too to do different stuff because I'm like – yeah, I make documentaries, but I would really love to make a documentary where something actually happens in front of the lens. Like a mm-hmm. lot of the stuff that I do is like something happened in the past and someone's telling me about it and then I shoot a photocopier and it looks cool or something like that, right? <laughs> Whereas like like the, a lot of like I think everyone's always trying to look to the horizon and be like, what's the next thing? Like, oh, I really respect documentaries that are well shot and something interesting unfolds in front of your camera that's unexpected, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I, I don't know, I guess people are always trying to expand the stuff they do. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many different versions of beauty for, and when it comes to filmmaking. Uh, I think that you can always see a difference between somebody who has done a thing, like from your perspective, you're doing a thing that you've seen other people do in a similar way to you a lot. So to you, it's like, oh, this isn't this new mind-blowing mm-hmm. thing. It's it's kind of, it's it happens all the time, and I'm just taking part in the the history of this style, right? But you add a level of finesse to it that I think is really interesting. And, you know, I don't know. I don't watch, I don't watch uh, videos of, of this style all the time. But to me, as, a, as a, somebody who spent a lot of time watching films, I get very bored with films very quickly. <laughs> um, 
never with never with planet earth though Mm, beautiful right well i i feel like i mean maybe you add finesse is what i'm trying to say thank you that's very kind of you um i feel like sometimes and maybe what i'm uh, gleaning from this too is like if you have a story and the visuals aren't strong you can get away with it but if it's the other way around it doesn't work sometimes right if it's really strong visuals and no story like the story you can build off of and at the very least, you'll have that. Like, I mean, I look at, you look at stuff that catches on Twitter or stuff that my that my wife shows me or something like that. And it's like, look at this. And it's shot terribly. The audio is terrible. Mm-hmm. It's some kid. And then something happens. And then something unexpected happens. And then there's like, the kid says something funny. It's like, oh, that's a story. And mm-hmm. that's a little video that's going to get way more views than I could ever hope for, for something mm-hmm. that I put 10 times as much effort into right so it's just like oh yeah and people like it because something unexpected happened something funny happened something that kind of spoke to something else happened so it's like that's it at the molecular level right and Mm -hmm. it's like that is just 100 percent story no one's watching those videos because they go look at the camera work from this mom you know what i'm saying like there's probably a finger on the lens or something like that they're probably 10 feet away and the audio is bad but like it's like, oh, that kind of gives me hope where it's like that is just story in its in its purest form. You don't even think about that as a story. Right. But that's mm-hmm. the reason why you're attracted to that kind of stuff. So to go back to your radio, to radio analogies, if somebody calls in and they're using a phone because they're a busy person, they're on a freeway and they're calling, you know, they're calling in for the interview. Well, if that person is, you know, if that person got his leg chopped off climbing Kilimanjaro, it doesn't matter what he's being recorded with. If you can hear what he's saying, you're going to be intrigued and it can move you and it can change you. As a producer, I'd say, let's try and get him to a landline. But But yes, I agree in theory on that. But as a producer, I need to put in contractually obliged. Can we get something better? We can't. Okay. But yeah, no, I totally agree with what you're saying where it's just like, yeah, it, sometimes it, it it doesn't matter. I mean, it's and then it worst you, comes to worst, you add captions, right? Right, and you can only it can only get better from there, right? Like you mm-hmm. can your if you have your story, that's like a solid base, and like okay, this is going to be, you know, this is firing on X amount of cylinders. This is seventy percent awesome, mm-hmm. and then if you can get it to seventy percent with just that, if you add other stuff to it, it's it's only going to get better unless you really Great fuck point. it up. Don't do that. Great. But, you know. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I think okay. there are visuals you can add to detract from it probably, but um, it's yeah. tougher to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're ma- again, it's like, it's like you have something cool to begin with and you're just, and you're just building on it. Right. Like it's, that's not cheating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Start with the story. Um, <laughs> so uh, I wanted to, okay. I just want to talk about the last one really quick that I thought was intriguing. This, we, I wouldn't even call this a film. It was, I think you were holding up a phone, maybe a Blackberry of some sort, and you were <laughs> taking a video of a guy named Edmund Bacon in Love Park, which... Oh, he, I did not film this. He, this oh, you didn't film this. Yeah, no, I put that up because I was doing a story on um, Ed Bacon, which okay. is Kevin Bacon's dad, by the way. But yeah, I did. that was old, this archival footage that I came across that I got through like an old website that didn't exist from philadelphia public radio that i found it so i'm just like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna put this up so the world can see this but well never mind i'm just kidding uh (laughs) i I, know what i thought was so interesting about that is uh, and this is putting the cherry on top of what we've been speaking about for the last 10 minutes which is that storytelling can be so simple i thought it was so i thought it was so interesting watching him ride a skateboard in protest and it was yeah, simple, yeah. and the and like I said, I mean, this thing looked like it was shot on on the first cell phone ever, 
you know, it was probably pre iPhone. I think maybe it was like an actual broadcast camera that then went through like oh, really? terrible compression. Or, it was like <laughs> a thousand conversions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was an old, I was, so I was doing a story about so that place called Love Park in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Edmund Bacon is the one who designed it. He's Kevin Bacon's dad. And it kind of inadvertently became this, this great place for skateboarding and the town of, or the city of Philadelphia tried to out, well, they did outlaw it. And then Edmund Bacon came and said, no, I built this thing and people should do with it what they want. And it, mm-hmm. it really excited him. And so I'm like doing this story on him. I'm like, oh, I know. Like I, I saw the photo and you can see cameras in the photo, right, mm-hmm. of this press junket kind of thing. And I found it. I guess Philadelphia Public Radio has students that come in this as a summer program to do little stories. And as part of a movie that they made, it was in it. And anyways, I downloaded this MOV and whatever. But yeah, it was it's really great. Great tape. It was such a hidden gem to come across. Mm-hmm. It was so simple. It was one shot and there was no cuts. And uh, he, and the, the <laughs> my best work, I'd say. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> The enthusiasm in his voice, though, he was basically right. saying after he got off the skateboard, like he rode it for two feet. They helped him along because yeah, yeah. he was, you know, 90 years old. Uh, he rode it for two feet and he basically was like, I can die now. This my life's work is complete. Right. And I thought that was a really special thing. Yeah, that's that's what we call hot tape in radio, man. That's something where you're mm-hmm. like, whoa, this is this is there's something here. Good. Right. And if you could, if all you do is find go from moment to moment like that, then then you're doing something okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so, if we look at all of your work as a as a body, as a collection, uh, what are your goals for for it in the future? Um. Well, there's like the goal of like trying to make money for my family is a goal where I'm Valid. like, oh yeah, like I'd, I've been able to parlay this into or like or. Um, I make it sound like we're living hand to mouth or something, but like, you know, parlaying it into a career, which I, which I'm trying to, which I've been fortunate enough to, to, to start doing. I've been directing commercials and stuff and being like, oh yeah, I can kind of like use this style that I, that I like, that's fun to shoot and, and people people will buy this. Right. So I think that's something that I'm like, have half a mind to. And then I think there's like, it's so funny because I, it really does maybe speak to like just having a creative outlet because I've been working on this podcast uh, called Personal Best for CBC and we're working on our second season and I've been doing that nonstop and I've been like, I haven't been like, there's been a little bit, but it's not like I'm dying to make a video in some ways because I feel like whatever itch in my brain is be, is being scratched by this by this thing. And I guess it's like, you know, if I do, if I work on radio or podcasts, I really want to go do some video stuff. And then it's, the more I work in video, I'm just like, oh, this is so annoying. I just want to work in audio, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like it flip-flops back and forth there but like you know i guess it's just like finding cool stuff and like finding just trying to hop on projects that are like exciting and keep me i don't know mm-hmm. keep, keep me engaged and be like oh this will be cool that's kind of what you're looking for it's like this mm-hmm. is cool this is fun to make and this will be rewarding when i finish it and then if i can make some money along the way that's that's nice too you tend to see this idea around us that you have to have these huge goals for yourself these monumental things that you make sure you write down with a pen because it sticks in your brain better and this is how you're going to succeed in life but the more people i talk to i realize a lot of artists are just like i just want to keep I just want to keep making my, my designs. I like the colors and it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there's like a thing where it's like, that's what you want to do. I mean, the goal is to like get, do what you love and the thing that you're dying to do and getting paid large sums of money for it. Like that's what, that's what everyone kind of wants to do. Right. And then, 
you sort of like along the way you have projects that you get paid a lot that aren't creative and then you have really creative projects that you don't get paid a lot and eventually those you know you're trying to maybe bring them up to the same level so i think that's like that's what i'm trying to do right now too i guess that's what i feel like it's the same goal as like even early on i guess and i think there's some strategic stuff where you're like you push yourself in a certain direction where I'm like, okay, my next project, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, make it a little bit more like this. Uh, and I, I kind of want to integrate this kind of some more camera movement and work with this DP so I can get this kind of thing into it. So I, I feel like it's a little bit overwhelming if you look too far in advance, but you also don't want to be so, um, you know, nearsighted that, that you're not, you're not headed in the right direction with each project, I guess too. Right. Yeah. Don't just do stuff that amuse you. Like, I think you need a little bit of like, smart career stuff in there too, mm. right? Mm-hmm. The balance, the harmony of That's life. That's right. That's right, man. What do you hope somebody takes away from watching one of your films? I, I, I hope that they like, aren't like, I just wasted two or three minutes. Like, <laughs> I mean, that is honestly all I can hope for. Like something where they like, if you get a bit of a laugh or if like, Again, it's one of those things where it's like, if I purport to make something that's going to go... You're so kind. You're like, I just don't want to <laughs> waste their time, honestly. <laughs> but it's it, it's like one of those things where it's like, if you like set the box and let people free, they're going to jump to things that you never would have imagined, right? And to me, I'm just like, here's my take on it. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, even stuff like interviewing you, it's like, it's like, or being interviewed by you rather is like, oh, people took this in such a different way. And that's like that's a bonus. Like you just make something that you're excited about and kind of triggers something in you where you're like, Oh, this part is really interesting. When he says this, it made me think about something and the music swells here. And I really like, and I'm proud of how I did that. You put out something that you're excited about and hope that it triggers someone else. Cause I think if you go into it being like, I'm going to change how people think about innovation, it's like, Mm. that's a tough one. That's a tough (laughs) one. I think you can, you know, but if you kind of go like, I'm just going to think about it myself and find things that interest me and put it together in an interesting way you kind of hope that someone runs with it in a way that, that you don't expect maybe, or, yeah. or it takes them in a, in a direction that maybe they don't see. Very good. I mean, it's also just nice to see like the numbers go up, right? You're just like, mm-hmm. there's something nice about that. You're like, okay, that's nice. <laughs> I got People an email it. and they said they liked it. Exactly. Yay. Like, I think that's, that's all we're, that's all we're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Some justification of, of, of why you, why you did that thing in the last six months or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I love your work, man. I think this is a great place to wrap it up. Thank you so much for oh, thank uh, you. giving me some of your time. I appreciate it. Of course. It. We're of all course. busy it was people. very kind of you. Yeah. All right. Sweet. <laughs> Take care. Yeah, you too. All right. But I'm not really leaving because yeah. the interview just ended. Okay. Yeah. Right. You right. know right. how it goes. <laughs> you know the business. That's it for this one. I hope you share your thoughts below about this conversation, something that you maybe thought was intriguing. I will engage with you. Uh, like I said, check out his things. I will link below to them. I hope you have a lovely day. Goodbye.